want you to go ahead and remain standing. Remain standing. If you have your Bibles, quickly open them up to the book of 2 Kings in the Old Testament. 2 Kings 22. 2 Kings 22. This is the day that the Lord has made. God is good. And all the time. And His mercy endures forever. We at Harvest Community Church are a committed to Christ, commissioned to serve, and called to pray without ceasing. 2 Kings 22, verse 1. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jedidah, the daughter of Adiah of Boscath. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in all of his ways of his father, David. He did not turn aside to the right or to the left. Let the church say amen. Amen. Father God, we ask that you would speak to us through your word today, that we would lift up high the name of Jesus. And as we lift him up, Father, help us to believe on him. And in believing on him, we would be saved. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Won't you say amen, 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 and amen. It was a number of weeks ago that I got an opportunity to hear Jeffrey A. Johnson, Pastor Jeffrey A. Johnson of Eastern Star Baptist Church out of Indianapolis, Indiana, preach. And his subject was the making of a king. Transforming boys into men. And I was so enthralled by his message and so encouraged by his message, which is actually uh, in book form now, that I thought I would preach on it. And so for today, I want to talk for uh, just a few minutes on the subject, Boys to Men, the Making of a King. Boys to Men. The making of a king. You'll remember that I said a number of weeks ago that as parents, I think it was on Mother's Day or it might have been close to that, that our job as parents is twofold to give our children both roots and wings. We're to give them roots, we're to give them stability, we're to give them security, we're to help them to grow deep. Uh, yes, in the Word of God, but also in life. We're to give them roots of family traditions. We're to help them know where they have come. We're, we're to give them that, that foundation that they need for the rest of their lives. But we're also supposed to give them wings. We're to give them wings so that they could soar, wings so that they could fly, wings so that they could find their place in God's kingdom, wings so that they could know what their strengths are and how God has created them. We're to give them wings so that they can leave our house. <laughs> We're to give them wings so that they can, as, as young men and young women, they can develop their own households and their own families. If you understand what I'm saying, say amen. But, you know, as we celebrate Father's Day, we have to recognize that there are some stereotypes about black fathers. I got this from an article online uh, entitled The Truth About Black Fatherhood. And in that article, one of the stereotypes they mentioned was that today 
around 70% of black children are born to parents who aren't married. The rates of out of of wedlock births have, of course, increased amongst all races since 1965. The idea that the racial disparities in education, in employment, in income, in incarceration, uh, and more can be blamed not only on structural racism, but on this absence of the black fathers has been parroted by pundits and politicians alike. Even in 2008, President Barack Obama said during his Father's Day speech that more than half of all black children live in single-parent households. Children who grow up without fathers are five times more likely to live in poverty and commit crime and nine times more likely to drop out of schools and 20 times more likely to end up in prison. They're more likely to have behavioral problems, to run away from home, or to become teenage parents themselves, and, and the foundations of our community are weaker because, because of it. And men and women, I'm here to tell you that these are disturbing stereotypes about black fathers. And the thought is, the stereotype is, and what the talking ads will tell you, is that there is an epidemic of deadbeat dads in the black community. They'll tell you that absent fathers are the reasons for all of our community problems. And they will tell you that because of absent uh, fathers, our children suffer more than any other race. I'm here to tell you, don't believe the hype. Don't believe the hype. Now, do we have issues? Certainly we have issues, but I don't believe that because a lot of our parents aren't married, that those men aren't serving as fathers. The article goes on to say that there is a truth about black fathers, that that black fathers are more involved in the lives of their children. And I quote, We cannot equate the number of unmarried dads to the number of fatherless children. Do you hear what he's saying? That if you were just to take the statistic that talks about unmarried fathers and and, and climb the ladder of inference and say, because they're unmarried fathers, then all of our societal ills are as a result of that. And that there is fatherlessness because of it. They're saying that that's wrong. First of all, marriage rates don't necessarily reflect the number of black fathers living with their children. There are a lot of black fathers that are unmarried that are still in the house. Let the church say amen. As the writer Josh Luz points out, the majority of black dads, 2.5 million out of around 4.2 million, live with their kids, even if they're not married to their partner. Second of all, according to a 2013 report by the Center of Disease Control, black dads, whether they live with their children or not, are more actively involved in their children's lives than their counterparts of other races. Don't believe the hype. 
don't believe the stereotypes that there are a whole bunch of black men that are holding it down. And there are a whole bunch of men in our community that are doing it right. And the truth about black fathers is that we love our children, that we support our children, that we live with our kids, that we are actively involved with our kids. And I'd like to just take one minute out of my message to give a shout out to all of the dads, whether you're in the house or outside the house, all of the dads that are holding it down in, in, in your children's lives, the dads that are protecting their children, the dads that are providing for their children, the dads that are praying for their children, the dads that are there for their children, the dads that are absent from the home but are still there in their lives. Don't you believe the hype? Don't you believe it? Because there's some dads that are holding it down. Now, the statistics are still statistics. And there's some daddies that are not there. There's some daddies who need to be there. But I wanted to give a shout out, first of all, to those who are there. Because in many cases in church... What we find on Father's Day is that you come to church and you hear this message bashing daddies. So I wanted to start off by giving props to those daddies who are doing the right thing. But that does not mean that we're all doing the right thing. And so here we have in the text, we have Josiah who arguably is the third greatest king in Israel. Of course, David was the greatest king that Israel has ever had. Of course, his son Solomon is probably second because he has built the temple. But Josiah is thought to be the third greatest king that Israel has had, and yet he does not have a daddy that grows up with him past eight years old. We find that Josiah has renovated the house of God. That Josiah has restored the word of God. That Josiah has revived the worship of God. And that Josiah was a great man. Well, I want to ask you how. The scripture says that Josiah became king at eight years old. We looked at 2 Kings chapter 22. But if you were to look at 2 Kings chapter 21, you would find King Manasseh. King Manasseh was Josiah's grandfather. King Manasseh was an evil king. The first thing that you see about Manasseh in chapter 21 was he did evil in the sight of the Lord. Manasseh built Ashtoreth. Manasseh built uh, idols to Baal. Manasseh actually killed one of his children. In the fire, Manasseh did those things that were evil and caused Israel to wander far away from Jehovah. Manasseh was an evil man. Manasseh's son, Amnon, or Ammon, became king after him. Ammon took, took a, 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 a page out of Manasseh's book. He was also did evil in the sight of the Lord. 
The Scripture says that he still promoted idolatry and he promoted those things that were against God. And not only that, he was so evil that his own officials assassinated him. After the assassination is when Josiah becomes king. Josiah is eight years old when he becomes king. Josiah doesn't have a paternal grandfather who is living. Josiah does not have a father who is living. Josiah is eight years old when he becomes king. And the scripture gives us an indication that Josiah was a great man. So I want to pit to you the question, how could Josiah's grandfather and his father be evil, but he be good? How could his grandfather and his father do what was evil in the sight of the Lord and and practice idolatry and yet Josiah be a man of God and lead Israel to return to worship to God? He actually leads a revival. How could a man whose father did evil decide to do good? How could a man who did not grow up with his biological father, end up being a man that makes a difference in God's kingdom? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because I believe that the the solution that I'm going to give you is nothing new to our community. We have had great men grow up without their daddies. We have great men who have grown up without a daddy in the home. We have great men who have made a significant contribution to society and to God's creation and to this world in which he created who did not have a biological daddy that had a positive influence in his life. And many women, I believe that we cannot just celebrate the fact that we've got some, some middle class black men that are holding it down. That's the men who are parenting from afar. Yes, we need to celebrate that. Yes, we need to give a shout out to our men. But there's still some boys who are putting their head down on their desk and look up at me and say, Pastor Mike, how come my daddy doesn't love me? Many women... We cannot stand idly by. And I believe that this text, God is giving us a road map. A road map to come alongside those boys and those girls that do not have a daddy that's going to come alongside them. And we just need to go back to the future. Point number one. I believe that Josiah became a great man because he got the right counsel. He got the right counsel. What I'd like you to see is that 2 Kings chapter 22 verse 1 says, Josiah was eight years old when he became king and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jadida and the daughter of Adiah. He had a mother. In, 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 in Jewish culture, you would always take the identity of your father. Abraham, who was the father of Isaac, who was the father of, of, of Jacob, who was the father of Joseph. If you were to look at the genealogy of Jesus, 
you would say so-and-so begot so-and-so begot so-and-so begot so-and-so, and the majority is always the father. But here, what God is telling us is that Josiah got his identity from his mother. He got his identity from his mother. And not only did he get his identity from his mother, but he also got his identity from his maternal grandfather. This right there in the text. It says that he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jadida, the daughter of Adiah. And it goes on to say that his mother, you get the inference that his mother had influence in his life. The name of an individual talks about their character. Her name means darling. He did not get his identity from his devilish daddy, but he got his identity from his darling mother. And evidently, the writers decided to write her in because of the influence. And many women, you know that those boys that, and those girls that are, are growing up in those households without a daddy, the mama says, well, you know, I got to be mama and I got to be daddy at the same time. Well, I don't believe that you've got to be daddy, but you do have to play the role of daddy. And there is a difference. You can't be his daddy because you don't have the equipment to be his daddy. You don't have the modeling to be his daddy. You're not going to go through the same things that his daddy did. But you can play the role. And many of our women have played the role. And many of the grandparents in our families have played the role. And I want to give a shout out to all of those mothers and to all of those sisters and to all of those aunts and to all of those grandmothers and shout out to all of those brothers and to all of those uncles and to all of those grandfathers who have had to play the role of daddy. And it's not anything new in our community. I remember I was coaching and one of my my, my greatest treasures in my life is to be able to coach basketball with my two youngest daughters. Christina was an outstanding basketball player, and she got most of the hype. But today I'm going to give some hype to Tiara. Tiara was a natural two-guard, a shooting guard, that guard that would be out on a wing, and you throw it to her. And she could knock down a three. She could shoot the ball. But her natural position was not the one. Well, when she was a senior... I had to put my arm around her during the first practice, and I said, Honey, I know that your natural position is the two. I know that you'd rather be out on the wing. I know that you'd rather not handle the ball. I know that you'd rather not be the playmaker. I'd rather, I know you'd rather not be the quarterback. I know that you would rather not play the number one, but we don't have anybody else. You're going to have to play this one. And she said, Yes, sir. And throughout the season, she played the number one. And throughout the season, uh, 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 she learned and, and, and she developed and she grew to be able to play that role. Now, was she a number one? No, she wasn't a number one. But because we needed her to be a number one, she had to play that. Y'all going to get this in a minute. You mothers are not fathers. You can't be fathers. But in many cases, we, gotta, we, we, we have to have you play the role as fathers. And, and, and many of you are saying to God, yes, sir. Well, we played a tournament that first year, that, that, that senior year that Tiara played. 
And I'm here to tell you that not only did she play that number one well, but after that tournament was over, she was voted the most valuable player of the Brook Lane Tournament in Hueytown because she decided to play a role that she was not created for. And so again, I want to give a shout out to all of you who are playing the role of that daddy who is not there. And Josiah had his mama and his granddaddy, the ones who were able to give him the counsel that he rightly needed, the counsel that, that, that he, they, 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 they were not the daddy, but they had to play the role as daddy. If you understand what I'm saying, say amen. amen. Point number two. Not only did Josiah get the right counsel, but Josiah was a part of the right community. The right community. Look at the text in verse 2. It says, He did what was right in the sight of the Lord, and he walked in all the ways of his father David. He did not turn aside to the right or to the left. You see, This community that he had, of course, the larger community was Israel. That larger community was not only a community, but it was an ethnic race. And in that ethnicity, there were certain music, and there were certain food, and there were certain traditions, and there were certain things that identified the Jews as Jews. One of them was that they believed in one God. Another of them was that God gave them ten commandments. They identified themselves. But when they became a kingdom, they had a king's court. So there were priests, and there were prophets, and there were advisors, there were mentors. So you ask the question, how can an eight-year-old become king? Because there were people who surrounded that eight-year-old that said, we're going to help you to succeed. Men and women, he had a community that said, we're going to make you do right in the sight of the Lord. They had a community that said that you're going to walk in all the ways that your father David did. And we're going to provide the kind of atmosphere and environment in your life where you're not going to turn to the right and you're not going to turn to the left on this thing. Now, you see something strange in the text. What is strange in the text is that in chapter 21, we find that Manasseh is Josiah's grandfather. Let the church say amen. Amen. We find that Ammon is Josiah's father. Let the church say, Amen. Amen. What the Scripture says here is, He did what was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in all the ways of his father, David. David. David wasn't his father. David wasn't his father. Manasseh was his grandfather. Ammon was his father. David was actually 14 generations away. They were in the same genealogy, 
But he was 14 generations away from Josiah. Well, we find that Manasseh died in chapter 21. We find that Ammon was assassinated in chapter 21. And we find that although he was granddaddy and he was daddy, he is not mentioned in chapter 22. I believe that it is because of Josiah's mentors. It's because of his advisors that they said, we're not going to let you walk like your granddaddy. We're not going to let you walk like your daddy. What we're going to do is have you walk like your great, 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 great daddy. Because your great, great, great daddy did what was right in the sight of the Lord. In chapter 21, the worst thing that could happen to Josiah was his daddy got assassinated. But the best thing that could have happened to Josiah was his daddy got assassinated so that he would not walk in the ways of his devilish daddy. If you understand what I'm saying, say amen. Some of us think that the worst thing that can happen is the daddy is outside the home. It could be that the dad, that God moved that daddy out the way so that you could get exactly what you needed. It could be that he wanted to move your uncle in. It could be that he wanted to move your granddaddy in that position. It could be that he wanted you to pick up from your mama. We don't know. But I do know that he's sovereign. But I do know that he's providential. That I do know that he is a God who can take sin and cause grace to abound much more than that sin. I do know that he is a God who can make lemonade out of lemons. I do know that he is a God who can take bad things and still work him for his purpose. I do know that he can draw a straight line with a crooked stick. And so he says, I'm not going to allow you to walk in the ways of them. We're going to surround you. Maybe for you it was that coach. Maybe it for, for you it was that teacher. Maybe it was for you it was that counselor. Maybe for you it was that femme family member. Maybe it, was, maybe it was a multiplicity of folk because Proverbs says that there is safety amongst many counselors. Maybe it was for you that somebody built in your life and put their arm around you and said, I ain't going to let you go. I ain't going to let you go astray. I'm going to allow you to do those things. Do you know that our young people are walking in darkness and they need a guide? My children, when they were young, they would play this crazy game whenever we would have company over. For some reason, they would go downstairs in our basement where there was no windows and turn off all the lights and play hide-and-go-seek. And after about five minutes of playing that game, you'd eventually hear somebody hollering because in the dark they don't ran into each other. And that's what our young people are doing in the daylight. They need somebody to turn the light on for them. Put their arm around them and give them the kind of guidance that they need. And that's what Josiah had with his community. You see, he got the right counsel. He was a part of the right community. But point number three was he was influenced by the church. He was influenced by the church. Chapter 22, verses 3 through 5, King Josiah 
sent the secretary, one of the ones in his court, one of his mentors, to the temple of the Lord. And he said, get ready the money that has been brought into the temple of the Lord, which the doorkeepers have collected from the people. Have them entrust it to men appointed to supervise the work on the temple. We're not going to read all the rest of the, t- of the chapter. You know that they, they did a reconstruction project on the temple. You know that they found the Word of God, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament in the temple. They decided to read the Word of God in the temple. They repaired the temple. They restored worship. They, 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 they reinstituted the reading of the Word, and God's people were revived. They decided, and Josiah was the leader on that. Josiah decided that he would build up God's house and, 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 and that he would tear down all of the idols. And what I'm getting, want you to see here is that Josiah was influenced by the people of God, the called out of God, the church. And he decided to go on a building project to build up the church. Many of our young people are trying to destroy the church today. Many of our young people are tearing down the church today. Many of our young people, black folk, minimizing the significance of the church. Pastor Jeffrey A. Johnson goes on to say that, that, that he is tired of all this church bashing and it's usually by young black folk. Young black folk talking about don't vote. Young black folk talking about uh, uh, don't go to school. Young black folk talking about uh, don't go to church. And he goes on to say, you know what that sounds like? That sounds like white supremacy. Because the white supremacist said it's, 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 it's against the law for black folk to vote. It's against the law for them to go to school and to learn. It's against the law for them to meet together and congregate as a church. How can we as people disregard and diminish the influence of God's church. We, ain't even, we wouldn't even be a people if it hadn't have been for God's church. <laughs> Josiah had the people of God that surrounded him, and he got so filled up with God that as king, he decided to lead a revival to rebuild God's house. And what we need more than anything else is we need fathers who will instruct our boys and girls about the importance of the church. I love the church. It was the church that built colleges and universities. It was the church that led black folk out of slavery. It was the church that led the civil rights movement. It was the church that built hospitals and schools and businesses. It was the church that paid for some of y'all's bills. It was the church that gave scholarships and opened up doors so that you could go to school. It was the church that stepped into the community to help the least and the lonely and the left out. It was the church. I love the church. I love the church. I met Jesus at the church. I got saved at the church. I got baptized at the church. I got filled with the Holy Ghost at the church. I got called to preach at the church. I learned how to read and study my Bible at the church. I learned how to pray at the church. I learned how to serve at the church. I learned how to love God 
at the church. I learned how to love His people at the church. I learned how to exalt my Savior at the church. I learned how to edify His saints at the church. I learned how to evangelize sinners at the church. And men and women, we need to to revive this spirit of being in love with with, with God's church. And on this Juneteenth, I ain't afraid to say it, and I'll double down on it. I love the black church. Doesn't mean I don't love anybody else's church. I grew up in the black church. I grew in my faith in the black church. I learned how to sing hymns in the black church. I learned all of the traditions in the black church. I learned how to respect my elders in the black church. And men and women, men and women, These boys and girls need us. They need the right counsel. It may be from their mamas, but they read the right counsel. They need the right community, a a group of mentors who will grab them by the hand and say, walk with me, follow me as I follow Jesus Christ. But make no mistake, Jesus is not coming back for a fraternity. Jesus ain't coming back for a sorority. He ain't coming back for a social club. He's not coming back for a political party. Jesus Christ is coming back for his church. A called out people who love him. I'll close with this. Men and women, we need Jesus more than ever. The thing that Josiah got was a faith that he could believe in. He had some people that would tell him about Jesus. He had some people who would disciple him. He had some people who would encourage him. And men and women, if you want to see Jesus, see see Jesus and see a difference made in our community, we got to be telling these young people about Jesus. We got to hurry. We got to, if it's not your biological child, you're still responsible. If God has put him in your life, you're still responsible. If God, listen, and if you're over 40 years of age, you have a voice now like you've never had before. I've got more open doors for ministry for me in my gray hair than I ever have as a young person. I've been coaching young people now for a number of years, and I got one little sweetheart on my team that calls me Coach Granddaddy. We had a team event. She comes uh, in this little little shirt that's got the belly sticking out. And I didn't care. I says, oh, so that's what we're doing today. We got the belly all out of it. I don't want to. Oh, so that's what we're doing today. She just just kind of kind of embarrassed. I said, no, no, Christina, Christina, look, look, look at her. She got the belly all out. That's what we're doing today. Yeah, I shamed her. We had another team meeting. She had on the right clothes then. But let me tell you what will make a difference. You can't say that if you ain't got the relationship. You can't do it if you ain't got a relationship. And if you want to make a difference in these people's lives, you got three things. Number one, you got to love them. Number two, you got to love them enough to tell them the truth. And then number three, you got to love them enough to tell them the truth and give them counsel that makes a difference. Lead them to Jesus Christ. Men and women, Josiah was a great man. Didn't matter that his granddaddy was low down. Josiah was a great man. Did not matter that his daddy did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Josiah was a great man because he had the right counsel. 
He had the right community. And he was influenced by the church. Let's pray. Father God, we love you today. We love you today. We love you today. Father God, we speak faith today. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. Lord, uh, these young people who are grown up, grow, have, are, are growing up without daddies in the house and daddies in their lives, Father. It ain't nothing new. It ain't nothing new. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond that which you're able. But with the temptation, he'll provide a way of escape. Father, we thank you for that way of escape so that we can endure it. Father, we believe without faith it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Father, we pray faith today. We pray faith that these children, both boys and girls will grow up to be men and women of God. we got faith today that you are going to use us to influence them. We've got faith today that Jesus Christ still changes lives. We've got faith today that our words make a difference, that our actions make a difference, what we stand for makes a difference. Thank you, Jesus, that we have the victory. Thank you, Jesus, that these children are not fatherless, that you are their father, and that we are their brother, that we will come alongside them. Thank you, Jesus, that we've got the victory today. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. We've heard the Word of God. If you can do it for Josiah, you can do it for our children today. On this Father's Day, this Father's Day, we commit We commit, we commit to coming alongside our children and being what they need and leading them to you. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Won't you say amen, amen, Amen. Amen. and amen. Won't you stand up? God bless you. Do something nice for your daddy today. Thank you for joining us today, and we pray that you've been blessed. For more information about our church, we invite you to either visit our website at harvestcpc.com or call us at 205-853-5033. Until next time, be blessed.